so Kevin and I are here in quarantine and figured what better way to spend our time than talking about wine and drinking wine and sharing with the world. So our wine cast is called What Have We Done? <laughs> Which I think is very suiting. <laughs> and it's a, it's a wine cast for the amateur enthusiast. So this podcast um, is for us to hang out and drink wine and talk to you about the amazing wines we're having. You know, full disclaimer, none of us are professional sommeliers. We have no formal training. None at all. um, No qualifications or credentials whatsoever. We just really like wine. I think we're like pretty qualified in that we like wine, but in terms of like real world professional standards, not at all qualified. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So how about you tell us a little about yourself? Introduce yourself and talk to us about how you got into wine. All right. Yeah. So I'm Dana. Uh, I am a Brooklyn, New Yorker, New York all the way to the heart. And I've ended up in sunny California or quasi sunny California in search of stars in space, NASA, anthropology, um, And I got into wine pretty late in the game. I'd gone to Spain to study abroad and definitely did not at all appreciate all the wonderful Spanish wines that exist in Spain and pretty much settled for table wine whenever I went out. Uh, And it wasn't until I had this like amazing like cave sangria that I realized how amazing the taste of wine was. Uh, And so when I got back to the States, I decided to hold sangria nights and I would buy a bottle of white and a bottle of red in which we'd make sangria, but also just drink the wine. Um, and that's where I kind of got into different tastes and realized that there was more to life than just like a Tempranillo or a Rioja that you found typically in Spain. And there were things like cab salves and other fancy things from different parts of the world. And the first wine I remember the actual name of is called Antu or Antu. Um, it's a Spanish, I think it's a Rioja. And I had it in 2012. I just moved to DC and was sitting at a local bar and tasted this wine. And it was something I'll always remember. Yeah, awesome. Uh, and I'm Kevin. Uh, I actually am from San Jose, California, where we are recording this podcast, and we're both residing through these very strange and unprecedented times. And I always grew up in a in a house that was full of wine, um, but I never really appreciated wine until the last couple of years. I also lived abroad um, in France and Spain and really enjoyed the wine, but never really knew what I was drinking, never really knew why. Uh, we just take whatever house usually red was being offered, Uh, especially in Spain, the price was right, and it was just a go-to drink for me, and I really enjoyed it, but never really started learning more and really enjoying wines until I actually moved back to California a few years ago, and my neighbors at the time, uh, who are no longer living there, but uh, they would vacation in Italy each year with their kids as a family. They would rent this villa with a bunch of their mutual friends and hang out there, and the great thing for me was they would come back with cases and cases of these amazing Italian wines, and they would throw these wine tasting parties that my family and I would be invited to. And the first time I went, um, 
their other friends who had also joined them in the villa in Italy had come back and brought a couple of wines to share. And we had opened, you know, eight or nine bottles in a group of 20 or 30 people. And we were just tasting each one and, and just talking about them. And I was just pouring, not knowing what I was pouring, just trying each one. And I just remember pouring one and just taking a sip and it completely just stopped in my tracks and immediately went to the next room where, where my mom was also drinking and said, Mom, like, come here. Ushered her, like, quietly and discreetly into the room so no one could quite see how much I was, like, freaking out over this wine. Um, but had her have a sip, too, just to validate, um, you know, what I thought I was experiencing. And uh, that wine actually turned out to be a, a 2010 Caparzo di Montalcino Reserva, um, which is a, a Sangiovese wine. Um, way, way above uh, the price range, which I usually spend on wines, the wines we'll be talking about mostly in this podcast. Um, but it was the first time I tasted a wine that just completely blew me away. And now, I haven't had it since then, and at that time I didn't really have the vocabulary to talk about that. I didn't know what I was tasting or feeling or, or, or uh, experiencing, but I just remember being, yeah, just floored at how good wine could actually be. And again, before that, I was more into, you know, a box of turning leaf uh, Merlot than anything, you know, anything, you know, specifically picked out for myself. Um, but that wine definitely was was the moment where I realized, all right, I really like wines, and I wanted to learn more, and I wanted to learn why I, I liked that wine so much, and really come to understand uh, what was happening there. And of course, being being in San Jose, California, we're very close to so many amazing wine regions. Um, we're a couple hours away or less from, from Paso Robles, from Gilroy, from Livermore, from Napa, from Sonoma, from Lodi, uh, all these really great um, established and upcoming wine regions. So uh, we're really in a privileged position to, to explore some of those and, and hopefully share some of our findings with you. Yeah, and thinking about our wine histories, it's also kind of fun to realize how much you grow when you taste just like different regions of wine or different types of wine. Like even I would say I moved to California about two months ago. And since then I've had more wine than I care to share, but in tasting all of these different types, (laughs) I know what have we done? Right. Um, (laughs) I've learned so much in just these two months, um, building on, I don't know, years of slowly but surely understanding, okay, I like red more than I like whites, which is not necessarily true. Um, but I, I don't know, it's kind of like a choose your own adventure. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you drinking today as I open this bottle? All right. So today we are drinking something of an oddball, a, an Australian Tempranillo. Um, called the Rebel, or is that the yes. Vineyard? I think the name of the wine can be the Rebel Tempranillo, and it looks like it's from Jen Pfeiffer Wines, which I have never heard of before, um, and also definitely never had an Australian Tempranillo before. Uh, I have heard that that wine is becoming quite popular in Australia and other regions, including California, hmm. uh, somewhat more recently in in larger scale. Um, I didn't know it existed. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely Tempranillos that, I know that we're more used to having are definitely from, from Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see. Let's see how this goes. 
Wow, it's so much darker than I expected. I'm going to set the scene for you really quick. We're sitting in a ridiculously warm day in California, or perhaps one of the first warm days. Um, it's sunny. There's a bit of hazy clouds in the sky, but otherwise it's bright blue. And the sun is overhead. I want to say it's like 2 p.m.? 2.30, 2.40 in the afternoon. Um, and... Now, something that I like about where we are right now is that it's pretty quiet. Uh, it's the suburbs, so you don't really get that much city noise. And being someone who loves the city, it's kind of disconcerting at first, but I've gotten used to it. Um, and really, you can appreciate the trees and the wind, all the birds flying around, the occasional plane, because we're kind of near the airport. Yeah, so I'm trying to figure out what it smells like, besides alcohol. At first, it smelled like wood, but now I'm getting a lot more of the fruit. On the top of the nose, you breathe in, and it hits like the top of the nose. That's where I get the, the wood, almost like a splinter. It smells like a splinter. Yeah, I will say I'm used to Tempranillos being um, much more bold. Uh, we're losing a lot of that, that leather, the tobacco, the smoke you get from those really bold and big Spanish Tempranillos. Mm -hmm. um, this is a 2018, so it, it definitely could use a little bit more time in the bottle. Uh, you taste that greenness, that ripeness to it. Uh, it just tastes very young, but overall really pleasant. Um, we're also keeping this unusually in a wine cooler because we are actually recording this outside and it's a beautiful summer's day here in San Jose and we don't want our, our wine to get too, too warm. Um, so we're, yeah, keeping it a little bit on ice, but it's, uh, I'd say just below a normal red drinking temperature, maybe a couple degrees colder than you'd normally have it. I don't know. We were discussing what the legs mean in a wine, which I'll now have to do a lot of research with, but it has pretty long legs, um, which I think means high alcohol. Or I think it's something alcohol. about the alcohol and the or sugar. sugar. Uh, coming to a podcast near you uh, will actually give you some information that's actually usable and useful <laughs> to your wine experience. But today we're just uh, we're just hanging out and drinking. Yeah, um, dipping our toes in. It's also appropriate Ooh. that we're having a, a tempranillo for, for our first podcast. Um, oh, I wasn't doing that. That's okay. Sorry. Yes. Yay. Cheers. <laughs> Sorry, I'm the doing? worst. I want you to smell my wine. I really smell the wood. I promise. We have the same wine. I know. <laughs> but when you first pour it, you like when you pour it from the bottle into the glass, the first whiff you get is, to me, either cork or maybe corked a little bit. Mm. Um splinters sorry the warning sign with that would be um, <laughs> um i won't talk too much about this but a lot of wineries these days not a lot but a fair amount are using the old uh wood chip technique to make their wines taste oaked so basically what that does it, it shortens the, the aging time they're basically putting oak inside of the wine letting oh. it age with wood chips of oak in there uh, and then filtering out those chips and that can sometimes bring a little bit of sharpness, a little bit of attack to to that uh, nose and palate. 
and uh, generally what I would say not in the, the most pleasant way uh, hmm. but when done right can be a good technique so what does this wine make you think of when you drink it it's very springtime to me it's very fresh it's very hmm. um, very clean uh, not too hot not too cold I mean usually Tempranillos I'm gonna think of a nice like fireplace uh, you know punch in the face huge um, huge wine going on. This is much more uh, much more crisp, much more fresh. Possibly because it's also a little bit young. Um, but definitely I just think of sort of meadows and, and daisies and it's a really good springtime <laughs> feeling from this one. That also might be stereotypes about Australia. I'm not sure. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> have you been to Australia? I have not, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. You have. I have. But I was near, I was in the mountains, right outside of Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, which didn't have meadows that I remember. It had a lot of dangerous animals that we had to look out for. Um, I'm trying to remember now if I tasted any of the wine. I only remember getting Tim Tams, which are their like signature cookie. Hmm. And the idea with the Tim Tam is you dunk it in your coffee and it's able to like suck it up and then you, it's like a coffee cookie heaven bite. This is from Victoria. Definitely not as familiar with that. It's east, right? I think. I have no clue. I was in Sydney area, and then I was in Cairns, so Coral Reef area. This is mainly a podcast of us speculating about things we know nothing about. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> um, Kimas. Well, I was going to say it, it's really, it's really um, fitting that we're having a Tempranillo for our for our first podcast, just because it's the it's the great that we came to know living abroad in in Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Tempranillos a lot because they tend to be really. Um, pretty hard to mess up. Uh, they're very, very durable and resilient grapes. Um, and that's why just that the classic Spanish style of Tempranillo, you almost can't find a bad one. You can go, you know, pick up your $4 Trader Joe's Tempranillo. Won't be anything outstanding, but it's definitely going to be drinkable. Uh, you get all the notes that you want, that, that heavy fruit, the strawberry, that blackberry, the, again, like I was mentioning, the, the earth, the, the mm-hmm. leather, the tobacco. Um, so it's really cool to see how Tempranillo is, is spreading into these different areas. I know it's, it's popular now in California and South Africa. I this one's from Australia. Um, it's really cool to see how it turns out in these different areas. Yeah. I, so it reminds me a lot of driving in a convertible or with all the windows down. Hmm. You get the sunlight as that tannin flavor that sits on your tongue and settles in a nice way, not in like a tongue, a leather tongue hugger sort of way, but, and then you get this bright bursts of fruit, which I imagine is like the sun kind of like cool on your skin because you're driving. And so it's never really hot. It's very refreshing. And so you have like the movement of the car, which is kind of like the way the wine flows. It's very light. It's a medium-bodied wine, but it's not what I like to call like the finish of the wine is relatively short. Even though you look at a lingering tannin on your tongue in the back of the throat, the wine itself is kind of there, and then you sip it and it's gone. So yeah, what why it reminds me of driving with like the windows down, like a beautiful spring or early summer day. Maybe some strawberry fields, but that's getting a little (laughs) bit extra. I still think, yeah, strawberry fields, springtime meadows. Yeah. Oh, it's... (laughs) 
Yeah, it's kind of sad that I spent all the time in Spain and didn't really appreciate the wines. I just didn't know. <laughs> well, I never knew what I was having. I just assumed it was Tempranillo, and it was all good. So mm-hmm. um, we actually went on a, a road trip to um, Rioja and even like down to like the Zaragoza area, hmm. um, and went to some really nice wineries. Um, but again, it, it all tasted good to me, and that was pretty much as far as it got. Um, and it'd be really interesting to go back, go back now and revisit some of those places. Yeah. And see if that was just because I was drinking a lot of wine and that was great, <laughs> or if there was a little bit more to that and more nuance within what we were having. Um, I was also living in, in northern Spain, pretty close to Rioja in Bilbao in, in the Basque region, which has its own wine peculiarities like almost any region in Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was also really fun. Um, maybe we'll, we'll do an episode on that, of the random wines of, of Basque country that you won't find anywhere else. Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, I was in Madrid. Um, and wine was just kind of assumed during lunchtime that you would always have a glass of wine and it was on the table. And so in between classes, go to a bistro or a cafe or wherever and get the menu of the dia and have whatever was on the menu that day and a glass of wine. And I never questioned really what it was I was drinking. It's always good. It's always a little warm, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's something I definitely, definitely miss. Is, uh, at one point I was working at a, a preschool that was hosted inside of a public school. Um, and during lunch we would have, we would have lunch with the, the cafeteria staff and some other teachers that would hang out there and other administrators. Um, and you get this, you know, you go through the line with your tray and get this cafeteria food uh, which is always like pretty good, a lot better than, <laughs> than what I remember growing up here. Um, and then the teachers would always pull out a, a couple of bottles of wine. Uh, we would just hang out in you know, midday drinking wine. I, at first, I was so uncomfortable being like, "Are we getting in trouble for this? Like, how how is it possible that we're able to have <laughs> this this red wine in the middle of the day?" Uh, it turns out a lot of people do that, and it's always in moderation. Um, I think it's a it's a fantastic way to break up the day and the monotony yeah. of a of a long work day. Yeah, siesta. Oh, I miss siesta. Hmm. Yeah, at some point, I would love to look into what kind of soil would be required to make a tempranillo. Because it's interesting that I know it's a great varietal, but certain grapes do better in certain soils or certain climates. And that stain and Australia are able to share that to some extent to allow this grape to flourish is kind of a cool thing to think about. Like what similarities and what differences have allowed for these nuances in the wine we're drinking as well as in like the industry itself. Like mm-hmm. I would love to know when we go on our world tour, um, <laughs> how, you know, wine owners have had to account for changes in like sudden changes in climate, um, for like the actual land in which these grapes are growing, like the different growing techniques, you know, a lot of the wines in Spain are pretty ancient. Um, so, yeah, how does that translate into a different context, a different country? Yeah, and I think it's a little bit easier to think about things in the same hemisphere. Mm-hmm. When you think about sort of Spain to California, you think you know they're relatively same latitude. Is that that eh? Long- longitude's this way, latitude's the- yeah, latitude. <laughs> 
Um, similar science. like Mediterranean. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely definitely scientists here. Um, you know, the same Mediterranean climates that makes a little bit little bit of sense. Um, but definitely think about it like switching hemispheres from, you know, from northern Spain to, you know, Victoria, Australia, or, or something. Mm-hmm. Um, would be really interesting to learn more about. Yeah, maybe this backyard has the perfect soil and climate to grow these grapes. I'm kidding. Um, hmm. For those who don't know, I've been pestering my parents for, for many years to tear up the lawn they have back here for the dogs and, and put in some vineyards. Mm-hmm. But uh, as of yet, they haven't they haven't bought into it. <laughs> maybe after this podcast takes off. So, wine of the week. One thing we tasted or learned about during the week. Hmm. Recently, with, with the weather and the sort of early summer, late spring, uh, as it starts to get warmer and warmer here in California, um, we've been trying to find more wines that are weather appropriate because we spend a lot of our time together outside um, because of the, the COVID situation. We're not sharing space indoors, so we're trying to social distance outside. Um, and none of us are really that big of, of white fans in general, um, although we all, we all have the whites that we love. Uh, we also have a lot of differences in the whites that we do like, so it's not a, a lot of common ground there. Um, but most of the reds we have tend to be um, what I think we both like are really the, the big, bold, mm-hmm. um, exciting uh, reds. Um, so we've actually been exploring a lot of pinots recently, mm-hmm. uh, trying to find a little bit balance of something still red, something still exciting, something really you know interesting, but not quite as, as heavy and dark if we're <laughs> drinking in the sun at yeah. 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and actually this week uh, we had a Behringer Pinot and it was, I want to say a 2013. 2013. Uh, we'd been sitting on it for a while um, and it was a sort of a mid-range Behringer Pinot, I, I forget exactly. It's $24. Um, what it was. But, um, <laughs> I just remember. <laughs> so we opened this this bottle of Behringer Pinot and it's completely flat. And now to be fair, we'd also had a... a, a very bold Portuguese red before this, which in retrospect was not not the correct way to go about it. Um, but this Pinot, we weren't even sure if it was drinkable, if it had sort of turned, we'd sit on it too long. Um, and there was just nothing. No nose, very little flavor, at least in a pleasant way. Um, and we actually almost, we almost dumped it. And we decided to give it a little bit of air, give it a little bit of time, let it sit. Um, and we'll talk about in other episodes the importance of aeration, when, how, and, and where to do that. Uh, but definitely, this is this is definitely the case of um, just a little bit of air and a little bit of time really made a, a big difference. Um, and the wine just really, over the course of probably an hour mm-hmm. um, with dinner, really came to life. Uh, and by the end of it, we were didn't want to put it down. It was it was really really nice. Um, Something that I really liked about it was that. Pinots, I've only had a really a small introduction to Pinot Noirs, um, and most of them have been kind of watery. Um, I don't know if it was just the price point that I was buying at, or if it was a particular region, and I, I don't remember, um, but I remember that at least during the formative years of 2012, when I was drinking more wines, Pinots tended to be a little bit of a wash, and when we opened the wine initially, we were thinking, oh, this is probably not going to taste good. It's probably over over the peak of it being drinkable. But what surprised me was the depth and this like little funky, in a good way, it's, it's complex 
like a, a very subtle, complex flavor to the wine that was both complex in a way that suited the light bodiedness that you usually get with a Pinot Noir, but made it a lot more of a something to sit with. You really had to think about the shades or facets that you were drinking. It wasn't just a one note wine anymore. Once it opened up, it suddenly became this like complex organism. Uh, I'm attempting to find what it was I actually wrote about this vino. All right. So my dramatic reading of my log three days ago, this wine was a surprise at first, a bit old tasting being from 2013. It opened up and transformed. Rusty in color, it's a subtle fruit, sun-dried tart on the nose. The wine runs like a river on the taste buds on the side of the tongue. Tannin and sun dust motes on a porch swing. A paradise blend of dark fruits like cherry, possibly boysenberry, though I really don't know what the flavor of boysenberry is, and ripe blackberries. I want to take a moment to also uh, shout out the Vivino app. Um, we will be using the Vivino app and we'll be sharing uh, links to our profiles on our Instagram page so you can follow what we're drinking. Um, this is a really great way. It's an app that's basically a wine tasting log. I've been using it for a, for a couple of years now. And it's a great way to uh, keep track of what you're having, when you're having it, and your thoughts on those wines and to keep that log. I think it's really, really important. The more wine you drink to have <laughs> some recollection of what's going on so you're not just tasting in circles. Uh, and the vino is a great way to do that. You can just scan the wine that you're having. It mostly will come up pretty quickly. Um, and yeah, I just highly recommend that. So look for the links in the Instagram. Yeah. No, and I've come to appreciate wines that aren't quite so easy to categorize, which is why I actually like this um, Tempranillo from Australia, just because it's a little bit, it's a little young, but... I can imagine it being something a little bit off the cuff, um, even with just like the, the kind of fruit that we're tasting. It's like a fun medley. It's also grown a bit in the time we've had it open. Um, part of that is, is the air that's happening, uh, and part of that uh, is the temperature as well. As it's, we're, we're using stemmed glasses, but it's just sort of sitting out here in the relatively warm uh, weather. It's definitely got a little bit of spice going on to it, too. One thing I'm more familiar with in, in the classic Spanish Tempranillo. Uh, it's, it's really come to life a little bit. It's really, really nice. So my wine for the week, besides the Pinot Noir, was... So um, a couple of days ago, um, we were, again, sitting outside, kind of just enjoying the beautiful weather and taking the opportunity to just, like low-key hangout without, you know, all the the bells and whistles that life pre-quarantine kind of, you know, pushed you into having where you went out someplace and just kind of chilling in the yard. Um, and we opened up this Syrah from California, 2017. Um, and I, immediately really liked the label, which we can have a whole discussion about labels, um, that looked like a stamp. And I've been sending a lot of postcards out and it was just like a lot of fun to see this reflected in the wine I was drinking as well. Um, and I liked the Syrah because it was a little bit, I don't know, like a little piece of perfectness. Um, 
It was a pretty mild afternoon. I don't think the sun was quite as strong as it was today, but um, it had this like white pepper spiciness to it. And Kevin, you said it was a like cardamom spice as well, which yeah, it was cardamom white pepper. That was the Paso one. Right? Yeah, it was yeah. the it was from Paso Robles. And like I almost thought of it also as like having that clove allspice aftertaste or or like the the sip that you had. Um, or the flavor you had after the initial sip. Um, probably somewhere between medium and full-bodied. And it was just, it was complex enough that it kept you thinking while you're drinking it, but it was just also perfect to just sit and relax with. It wasn't something that you had to do anything to it. I don't think we aerated it at all. I think we just drank it from the bottle. I don't think we did, no. Mm-hmm. Or not from the bottle. In, in glasses, well. but without aerating <laughs> Um, this time. This time. Yeah, I was just really pleasantly surprised by the, the spice level, the the medium-bodiedness, the light fruit, the how well it sat with the, like a, a mild, sunny afternoon, and just hit the spot. So what is something that you would like to taste in the upcoming week? Do you have something in your stash that you've been looking at? Um have planned for this week yeah i do actually um recently i'm getting into uh the marsan grape um oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) we had one that uh, dana was not a fan of but i really liked um but one of the more common grapes around here to have in terms of white varietals is a chardonnay um, the Chardonnays from California, especially from Napa and Sonoma, tend to be uh, very oaky, very buttery. Um, they're a lot, and it's definitely not everyone's palate, and I will say that it's it's not mine. Um, but I do like um, more than just sort of a sweet, light, crisp, acidic uh, white. I like something with a little bit of punch, a little bit of, of body, a little bit of character. Um, so recently I've, I've been exploring two great varietals, the Roussan and the Marsan. Um, because they're almost, I mean, a lot of people are calling them shard alternatives. They're, they're very robust, they're very, they can be very creamy, they can be a little bit buttery, even oaky, um, in a slightly different way than the, than the typical Napa Chardonnay grape. Um, so I've actually been sitting on a couple of, uh, of Marsans I'm hoping to have during the week. Um, if weather permitting, if it's still sunny, um, yeah, I'm going to be having some uh, more unique varietals um, of white wines uh, during some, you know, work happy hours and things like that during the week. I'm really excited about continuing to try these really exciting upcoming varietals. Um, and the Marsan really is becoming more and more uh, of a thing here in California, especially in the, um, in the Lodi region. More people are making um, Marsans, knowing that Chardonnay is not everyone's, everyone's, uh, everyone's cup of tea. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. The Marsan we tasted, I was not a fan of, <laughs> but I am keeping an open mind, mostly because in the topic of Chardonnays, I've discovered, at least provincially, that I like creamy or creamed Chardonnays. Mm. I like some butter Chardonnays, and I really don't like oaky Chardonnays. Um, and that's a really lovely distinction to make, and I kind of am excited to see what the spectrum of Chardonnays can be. Uh, we also will have an episode at some point on just the Chardonnay grape because it's such a wonderfully diverse grape and while there's definitely a lot of shards I do not like, 
uh, sharks from other regions. Really, really exciting. Really, really innovative. Um, yeah, anything special you're, you're going for this week? Um, I have one more wine that I can open. Mm, I don't know. Let's see. Um, no, I'm kind of feeling this week is going to be really busy. And something that I like after a busy day is like a nice, you know, wine you can kind of tuck into. Something that like gives you a hug because you're tired and it's mm-hmm. great. Um, and I want to make cookies. Uh, I'm going to make tequila lemon cookies and possibly like rum-based tiramisu brownies and so what wine speaks better to that than um you know i think i have the carmenier uh from this vineyard called ama libre which has been really fun we had a pinot from mm-hmm. it i uh, last week two weeks ago yeah, a couple weeks ago uh and i have in a shipment coming in two weeks a cab so the carmenier it's a chilean vineyard and so far has had like solid wines mm-hmm. and I'm kind of interested in tasting. Is the cab also from there? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I've never had a Chilean <laughs> cab before. Yeah it should be fun and That's it's exciting. all from the same vineyard so it should be really good to see you know how they how they treat all their wines. Um, I think this is gonna be fun. I think as we drink more and more wines together with all of you um, we'll have a chance to kind of explore what we think of when we drink wines, the vineyards itself. Like we have a lot of really fun ideas of what to talk about, which you should just totally stay tuned for. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So thanks for joining us in our first episode and we'll see you next week. All right. Let's cheers now. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. Salud. Hasta luego. Bye.